title this morning is going to be The Blood of Jesus Propels Our Faith. The Blood of Jesus Propels Our Faith. And so there's really three, three things that I want to talk about this morning. And one is that the blood of Jesus is good news for the lost and for the found. Uh, because we have a new heart. That's the first thing. The blood of Jesus is good news for the lost and for the found because we have a new heart. And the second thing is the blood of Jesus is good news for the uh, lost and found because for the found we have a new record. Jesus gives us a new record. And then the third thing is the blood of Jesus is good news for uh, all of us in the community of God because he promises us a new world. So this morning we're going to look at what it means to have a new heart, a new record, and the promise of a new world. So um, if you will, let's go uh, to the Lord in prayer and then we'll read our text this morning. Lord Jesus, your word is so um, holy and it is alive and it is living and um, sometimes it is it is uh, scary to come into contact with your word because it shows us who we are and it shows us how much we need you but God it is so freeing to know that your word is um, filled with grace and mercy for sinners like us. So as we hear your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us and would give us the the ears to hear and the eyes to see how much we need your word and in the places that we need it to go, God, that your word would go and it would not uh, be anything but a soothing balm, uh, that it would be the grace that we need at this very moment, Lord, that you would overwhelm us with the good news of the reality that we have a, good, a new heart and a new record and a new home. And we just thank you for these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is uh, God's word and it is good and it is true and it is useful for us today. Uh, it will help rebuke us. It will help train us. It will help grow our faith. And so I hope that you know that this um, has been kept for us for many, many years that we might read it together today. And so what a special thing that God has breathed out his very own words for us to hear together and that it might edify us as a body and grow us closer together to do the very thing that he's called us to do in the very place that he's called us to do it. So hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and here we're going to have three exhortations right out of the, right out of the gate. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of as the habit of some, sorry, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Blessed be the word of God. So the blood of Jesus propels our faith. That's what we're going to look at this morning. How does it do that? Well, it allows us to have faith in the first place by giving us a new heart. Look at verses 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, Jesus died on the cross, he poured out his blood, his body was broken for us, his blood was poured out for us. We're going to celebrate that at the Lord's table in a little bit this morning. But because of the blood of Jesus, we can now enter into the holy places. It's not like the Old Testament where the high priest had to have a perfect sacrifice and, and take the blood of the perfect sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus himself has poured out his blood that we can enter into the holiest of holies. Why? Because the new and the living way that Jesus opened through the curtain, that is through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God. Jesus himself, when he died on the cross, he tore open 
that veil that kept us from God. Jesus, His flesh was torn apart, was the, the one way that we were able to get to God. So what kept us from God, or what keeps you from God, maybe even now, maybe you've never trusted Christ, maybe you don't know who He is, what keeps you from God? Well, ultimately, we know sin does. Sin's a disease that we all have. It's a problem that we all have to deal with. But practically, what keeps us from God? Day to day, what keeps you from God? Is it yourself, your ambitions, your desires? Is it TV? Is it Facebook? Is it sports, books, friendships, movies? We could go on and on with the idol systems that we produce, right? We have a long list of things that keep us from God. Whatever it is, here's what I want to turn your attention to. The amazing sacrifice that God gave us in order for us to draw near to Him. No matter what has kept us from God, God God has poured out the blood of His very own Son that we would draw near to Him. That we would have the confidence not just to draw near to Him, but to walk into His throne room. You may be thinking, well, that's, that's nice. I'm talking about a holy God. I'm talking about a God that uh, no one in, in Israel would even want to spell out Yahweh's name for the fact that they feared being too close to Him. They didn't want to draw too close to the mountain in the Old Testament because they were afraid they'd be struck dead because of the presence of God. This is the God that, that says, because of my sacrifice for you, you're welcomed in to the very throne room. You're, you're welcomed into the very presence of this holiness. Because of the blood of Christ, we are able to enter into the holy places. Now this morning, you may have just said, I want to go to church, and I want to hear a good sermon, and I want to get out of there so I can watch some football, or, or you know, go eat lunch, or do whatever, make my last hurricane preparations. Maybe just like, I'm going to get in and get out and be done. Well, I want to encourage you to think about it maybe a little bit differently this morning. Have you ever been to a bread shop where they, where they bake fresh bread? Or have you ever been to a chocolate factory where they make chocolate? Or have you ever been to a candy store where they, they create all these? If you just ran into the chocolate st- store and you just grabbed a Snickers and you left, what are you missing? You're missing a lot, Right? And so if you come in this morning and you say, I just want to grab a little bit of Jesus and head out the door, please don't. There's so much more to the experience of, of chocolate making. The smells, just the intricacies of how it's boiled and how it's poured out and how it's formed and all the inner workings of it. You could st- stay and soak in all day the beauty of how a chocolate bar is made. So what I want to encourage you this morning is this. 
focus. Focus on getting your fill of Jesus this morning. Focus on the, the actual richness of the story of God this morning. Don't, don't just let this wash over you like maybe a thousand times it has before, that the blood of Jesus is actually the one thing that is good news for you because he's given you a new heart through that sacrifice. You see, the blood of Jesus accomplishes our interest, entrance into the holy place where God himself resides. God the Father. And so I, what I want you to do is to, to, as we think about the kingdom of God here this morning is to enjoy the sounds, enjoy the smells, enjoy the intricacies that this text has to offer. You may be thinking, well, God, I don't really think that much about God every week. And, you know, God probably doesn't really love me the way he loves everybody else because of the things that I do or the things that I think. Maybe, you know, maybe other people have that much time to talk to God, but unless it's really emergency, I'm not really want to, want to listen to what God has to say back to me. He might care, uh, but he doesn't really want to take time to listen to my problems. Uh, listen, I want you to know something. God cares infinitely about you. He knows what kind of heart you have. And he knows the things that you think and the things that you feel. And so he said, I love you so much, I'm sending my son to the cross to bleed for you. That Jesus himself said, I'm willing to submit myself to suffering beyond comprehension. More than that, I am willing to take the form of a human and become flesh so that there may be human righteous blood, so that there may be a perfect holy human that may be sacrificed to appease the perfect holiness that God requires. You see, the, the perfect human blood of Jesus was sacrificed so that you may enter into the presence of God here this morning. So hold on. Here we go on our tour. How is it that we have a new heart? Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. Do you believe that this morning? Are you trusting and resting in that? That's what his own word says. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from sin and it allows us to hold fast to hope. What hope is that? That the blood of Jesus does way more than grant us access to heaven. That the blood of Jesus does way more than just give us a ticket to, to, to the heavens. It cleanses our conscience from sin. It enables us to hold fast to the hope of Jesus, a hope 
that something that 2,000 years ago actually can be beneficial to me this morning. That because, the, because of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus, that the power of sin and the penalty of sin has been conquered for all time. That's a, that's a giant claim in Christianity. That the power of sin and the penalty of sin has been conquered. Yes, sin is still alive and something that is a reality that we struggle with, but its ultimate power has been broken and there's a new king on earth. It's a king of light, one that shines truth into your heart, one that shines truth into your mind that helps to transform you. His blood has given you victory over your shame, over your doubt, and you can be freed from the power of sin when you repent and place your trust and faith in Christ. You see, this commitment from Christ to us produces godly character. It grows in us a faith that leads to hope for community. The third thing I want you to see about having a new heart is, in verse 23 and 25, it says it allows us to encourage one another. When you have a new heart, this is how you know, because you're going to encourage one another, and you're going to want to meet regularly. Look at verses 23 and 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the day, the, the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you spend time encouraging other people in your life? Or do you spend time being frustrated that other people don't encourage you? That's what I was convicted of this week. As a pastor, I should be encouraging people, not being discouraged when I'm not encouraged. We're to stir one another up to God. We're actually to to look into the hurt and the pain and the suffering of our own life and run to the cross daily. And in doing that, we should be taking brothers and sisters with us and saying, what are you struggling with? What, what's your pain? What's your hurt? Let's go to God. Because He knows our hearts. And He's given us new hearts so that we can hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Not because we're faithful, but because He is faithful. Stir one another up to love and good works. And all the more as we see the day approaching, Jesus says that if we commit to following him, if we repent and believe that he has given us a new heart by sacrificing his body and blood for us, a heart that is capable of trusting him and believing him, then we will have a heart that longs for justice and righteousness. We will have a heart that wants to live for Jesus, not ourselves. A heart that's able to love something other than ourselves. When we have this kind of heart, we'll, we'll find our mission to stir each other up. 
to do those things that, that we know we've been called to do beforehand by our Father. I can't tell you how many days I start with a list of things I want to do. And then at the end of the day, I see the list of the things that the Father had in store for me ahead of time. I intentionally keep my schedule pretty open. Most of you probably know that. There are a lot of people in ministry who intentionally book their schedule full. I I intentionally keep, I have certain things I have to do, yes, but there are a lot of gaps in my schedule for one reason, and I believe that God the Father beforehand has prepared good works for me to do that I know nothing about. And if I'm not openly, willingly stirring other people to do good things, I'll never find out what those things are. If I'm simply just checking my list off, I'm not going to be involved in what God wants me to do. You see, it's only when we have a new heart that we're able to see our heart possesses a lot of wickedness, a lot of evil that needs to be confessed. It's only when we have that new heart is is that we we see that we can actually be purified by the the blood of Jesus. That, That that holiness will make us anew every day. With a new heart, we can draw near to God. We can come into the throne room of grace. We can hold fast to the hope that we have in Jesus and say, it's not about me, but it's about Him. We're able to love other people by being salt and light in the place where we're called. So what is your heart serving today? And how can you turn it toward God? I think once we realize we have a new heart, I think it's important once we realize we have a new heart that we have a new record. We don't just have a new heart, but we we have a new record. You see, this is the second thing I want you to see because when you've been set free, you start to see how foolish it is to live in sin. Look at at verses 26 and 28. It reminds us that the the foolishness of, of remaining in sin, for if we go on sinning deliberately... After receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Have you ever locked yourself in a a closet or in a bathroom or somewhere inside a gate have you ever been lost guys don't raise your hand right guys don't get lost right and if we do we're not going to ask for directions how to get back but here's the reality once you've been trapped and and you get loose or once you've been lost and you find your way you don't go hey wait a minute i think i'm just gonna go back in here and lock myself in That's just foolishness. 
Right? Once you get lost, you don't say, you know, I liked it better being lost, so I'm just going to go back there and just drive around in circles for a couple hours. Hopefully, uh, we understand that's not the way to live, but I'm afraid most of us don't. Most of us don't understand freedom in Christ. We're too scared to taste it. We don't want to kind of stay in the chocolate store and enjoy that freedom. We're, we're like, I, 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 that can't be true. It's too good to, that God really loves me all the time. He's forgiven me of all my sins. He's give, he doesn't remember my sins anymore. No, that can't be. We want to wallow in self-pity. It's, it's a lot more comfortable to be in our secret shame and to not really believe the truth. But when we don't believe the good news, it's just foolishness. You've been set free in Christ. He's defeated the power of sin in your life. If you've accepted that by faith, live in it. Why don't we cry out for mercy more? Why don't we repent and believe moment by moment? Why, when we delay, we are denying the life and the death and the resurrection and the current reigning of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If His blood was truly sprinkled on the mercy seat, when we reject mercy, when we set aside the law of Moses, we're going to die without mercy. Oh, hear me now. Don't live in fearful expectation of judgment. Jesus has overcome your fears. If you persevere in belief till the end, He will vindicate us. He is King. Jesus. You see, this is what freedom in Christ is, is to live in constant communion with Christ. Living a life of thankfulness and gratefulness that He pours out on us new every day. You can live guilt-free in front of your King because you've been forgiven. You can walk into the throne room of the grace, the grace-filled room of Jesus, and because of the blood and the body of Jesus. You can stand guilt-free and know that He loves you. Know that your record has been wiped clean. You see, in verse 29, it talks about this, this idea that we're under a new covenant, that we've been given access to this new covenant. Look at at verse 29 with me, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Woe to those who deny God's mercy. Our punishment for spurning God is too great to comprehend. Don't sit there a second longer and refuse to receive mercy. 
Who doesn't want to be set free? The one who thinks that they can control their destiny. The one who thinks that they have the better way. The one who thinks that they are God. Repent of that. Believe in the one who has offered you his body and his blood. Because yours just isn't good enough. Jesus ushers us into this new covenant. He's ratified the one covenant that has, has been in effect for all time. The covenant of grace. He offers it to you again freely because he has fulfilled all the terms. He has fulfilled everything that is needed for your legal document to be wiped clean and given you a new one that says, Son, daughter of the King. He came as a man and he substituted himself He was the only righteous, the only perfect human who could sprinkle his blood to satisfy himself as a holy God. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. The warning is in verse 30 and 31, not to profane this sacrifice. This is something that should not be taken lightly. It's not something that we should just wash away daily with our doubts and our, and our fears and our anxiousness and, and all of these other things, we should rest in His victory. Rest in His omniscience. Verse 30 says, For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of of a living God. God is faithful and just, holy and true, and those that reject God and hate God will not remain. Those that reject the blood of Jesus and rely on their own goodness and their own greatness and their own whatever will not remain. Please, Please hear this, friends. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. God is alive. God is living. Maybe he's not on your daily radar, but I want him to be. I want you to understand this, that daily God is alive. And he is active. And He knows you. And He knows your heart. And He knows your record. And He offers you a great opportunity right now to believe in Him, to receive mercy on high. Commit your lives to Him now and never turn back. Please don't outrage the Spirit of grace. God will take vengeance on his adversaries. He will vindicate his people. Zion will be a holy city. Where God dwells, there will be no enemies. There will be no threat of evil. There will be no pain and no remorse. 
when you commit to following Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a new heart that you may worship God, that we may all worship Him together. Right now, you worship something. We all worship something every minute of every day. Why not make it God? You see, we've been set free. We don't have to worship those things that think they control us anymore. We don't have to appease the idols of success or respect or power or fame. We can simply rest in the reality that we have a new record because of the life and the death and the resurrection and the reigning of Christ. He's given you a new heart and a new start. He's given you a great hope for a great reward for those who will persevere by faith. He offers a new world, a new creation, a restored cosmos. You see, the blood of Jesus is good news for us because it gives us a new heart, a new record, but it also promises us a new world starting here right now. Look at verse 32 and 33. It says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Christ did not shed his blood for nothing. There, there are struggles that you will endure for Christ's sake. This is not an easy calling. This isn't accept Jesus and everything turns to roses in your life. But you have to remember why you're struggling. You have to remember why you're suffering. You have to remember the good news why you have confidence in the first place, because you've been given a new heart and a new record to do what? To enter into the throne room of grace, to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Look at what Jesus endured on your behalf to make that happen. This is why I think one of the major focuses of our church needs to be praying for the lost in our midst. If you don't know a lost friend or a lost family member, come to me and I can give you some names. But I'm pretty sure that everybody here has a neighbor or a family member or a co-worker or a friend that doesn't know Jesus. And you see in their actions and in their life every day that their heart is yearning to be loved and they seek it in in drugs, they seek it in sex, they seek it in power, they seek it in every area of their life except going to God. And you see their hearts are broken and you see that there's only one answer. And church, we need to be praying for the lost in our midst. Some of them don't believe in a God, much less the God. Some of them are so self-absorbed that they don't understand 
that they're actually struggling. What greater struggle is there than that? To be a Christian that knows a non-Christian. What greater burden is there on your heart today than to know a lost person? None. You've been given a mission, church. You've been given a purpose, church. You've been given a new heart and a new record and the hope of a new world. Why not offer that hope to those people? To know someone and to love someone that doesn't accept the mercy God offers breaks my heart. But how much? I look at this passage and I see that our fellow saints were able to let go of everything for the sake of other people knowing Jesus. And it breaks my heart that my heart isn't that way. Look at verses 34 and 35 with me. So convicting. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. You had compassion on those in jail. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Sure, I'm okay with somebody borrowing something or or helping somebody get a tank of gas or, or bringing somebody some groceries, but if somebody comes into my house and they plunder everything that I have, I doubt sincerely that my heart's bent is going to be joy. And I doubt that yours would be either. But here's the good news. It should be. Because we've been given a new heart. We've been given a new record. Folks, we've been given something that I don't think the church even understands. And I think this may be why we don't reap the harvest that we should. Why would somebody do something like this? Because they know what they have in Jesus. They know what they have in Jesus right here and right now. An abiding reward. You see, we have Jesus and that's all we need. And we actually have more than that. We have the kingdom of God. I know it's hard to understand or comprehend that we have more than Jesus. Because Jesus is more than enough. But Jesus is so filled with grace that He gives us Himself and He gives us His entire kingdom. Do you hear me? Do you believe me? Do you believe the Word of God? I don't care if you believe me, but do you believe this? This promise from Scripture that says, if you believe the Word of God, if you believe that Jesus has shed His blood 
that he has given you a new heart, that he has given you a new record, and that he promises you a new home. Why aren't we having the ability to love recklessly? Why don't we have the ability to love relentlessly? We do. So what if we get burned in relationships? So what if someone doesn't return the favor? So what if someone doesn't receive our love? Yes, it hurts. And it may even be wrong. And we don't have to like it. But does it really matter? You have so much... You have something so much greater than people's approval, people's desires, or people's things. You don't need gratification from other things. Oh, sure, we want it, but we don't need it. You see, we have been ushered into the throne room of grace, and we have been accepted and loved by God himself. Look at verse 39. We've, we've been given the assurance that our faith has a purpose that our purpose is so grand that we don't even understand it. That God's righteousness and our faith in Him gives us the ability to stand firm until He comes again. Look at verse 36. For you had compassion on those in prison. Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 39. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We don't need to give up. We need endurance. The Bible says we need endurance, and this is why we need the church. This is why we need one another. So we can stir one another to love God with our new hearts. That means putting other people's desires and needs before your own. It means we can worship together, bolstering our faith all the more as we see the day coming. Oh, how we need endurance. The fight is real. The struggle with pain and hurt is real. But don't give up. Don't give up. Persevere. Live a life of repentance and faith, of belief and repentance. A life of repentance and belief. Continue to walk in the Spirit, abiding in God's Word, worshiping Him, loving Him, loving others. As a community of believers, listen to this promise. Chapter 12 illuminates the promise of what is to come. Chapter 12 in Hebrews says, I have great news for you. We're going to close with this promise. Hebrews 12, 18 to 29. This isn't a promise from me. This is a promise from God Himself 
to those who would repent and believe. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. They could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who has enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits, the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel, so that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain listen here church This is the good news. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that we would be in awe of you this morning, of your power, of your mighty works, of the courage, of the love, of the goodness to send your one and only Son to live a life we couldn't live, to die a death we deserve to die, to rise from the dead, defeating death and sin once and for all that we may have a new heart that our record may be wiped clean that we may live in this world knowing that we were made for a different one oh god come now be our comfort as we live out the things that you've called us to live out stirring one another on to good works, exhorting one another to worship, to not quit, to meet with one another, to love one another, and to point those that don't know you to your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.